Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Jared Van Voorst, and I'm your host for the show and one of the pastors at Life Church. Thank you so much once again for joining us for this podcast. Uh, we are in a sermon series called Is This What I Signed Up For? And uh, we're, we're talking specifically about submission. So far, we've talked about submission to the church. This week, you're going to hear from Pastor Daniel, who will talk about submission to government. Uh, which is kind of a hard topic, especially given the times that we're in right now. But uh, Daniel does a wonderful job uh, really unpacking the key scripture from Romans 13 that talks a big a big part about this. So uh, I hope you tune in and listen in really well. Uh, it's a wonderful message. I want to also remind you um, to let us know how we can pray for you and support you. You can do that by going to the Now page and connecting with us. There's also an opportunity for you to give if you'd like to give to Life Church and the work that we are uh, getting to be a part of. I also want to let you know this, that uh, since we've been in pandemic and since we're getting close to Christmas, uh, a lot of people are using Amazon to do their shopping. And uh, Amazon has a feature called Amazon Smile where you can uh, actually dedicate or, or designate, sorry, uh, designate to a charity of your choice and you can actually list Life Church as a charity if you'd like to give while you're shopping. So it's kind of a uh, two birds with one stone sort of thing. So I want to thank you ahead of time for considering uh, partnering with us in that way. Uh, but now, without further ado, here is Pastor Daniel with Is This What I Signed Up For? Submission to the Government. text this morning will be taken from Paul's epistle to the church of Christ in Rome. Romans chapter 13 verse 1 through 7. Paul's epistle to the church in Rome. I'll be reading from the New American Standard Translation. Every person is to be in subjection to governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for your good. And if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them. Tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom is due, fair to whom fair, and honor to whom honor. Let's pray. Father, we do come to you this morning and we do invite you into our presence. We pray, God, that you would be with us. We pray, Lord, that the Spirit of the living God will bring the Word of God into our hearts that it may reveal the Son of God and that all the things that we do today will be done to the glory of God. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Hello, Life Church. How are you? 
Okay, okay. We'll try that one more time. I know it's snowing outside. Hello, Life Church. How are you? Oh, so that's you. Okay, now I know who that is. Well, well I'm glad to be with you this morning. Um, last week, we kicked off this new series called, Is This What I Signed Up For? Pastor Nathan kicked off this series um, with us last week, a series that's dedicated to discussing uh, the controversial topic of submission, submission to the church, to government, and to each other. He kicked off that series, so I would, I would just encourage you to take a time and just go look at that series if you haven't listened to it yet. He did a great job on unpacking what submission looks like in the church context. Well, today we're going to unpack yet another part of submission, submission to government. Namely, we're going to look at God's command for us as Christians, for the church, to submit to government. Now, as you hear that statement, what emotions are evoked within you? Perhaps you find that statement comforting. Perhaps you find it comforting to submit to government. And perhaps that's because you subscribe to or agree with government. Or maybe you find that statement troubling, a feeling of anxiety or anger. Maybe you're alarmed or offended at the notion of submitting to anybody, let alone to the government. For those of us who know all too well the oppressive tendencies of human governments, the weight of that command is terrifying. Hearing that God commands me to submit to government may even evoke an emotion of, can I trust the veracity, the truth of God's word? Can I trust the goodness of God? Or can I even trust the wisdom of God? Because after all, any God who would command the submission of people to flawed governments, governments that have the propensity to abuse power and people, has to be either unwise, insensitive, or malicious, or some mixture of the three. Whatever emotion you're experiencing, the fact still remains that we are commanded to submit to government. And this command, it isn't found in just some obscure book of the Old Testament. It's found all through the scriptures. This command is all through God's word. So as God's people, we don't have the luxury to ignore this command. We have the responsibility to understand what this command means and its implications for our lives. This command has implications for a lot of things that we do, for a lot of our lives. It has, it has implications for how we respond to current and future political leaders. It has inf- implications of how we respond to government governors and presidents and judges and legislators and other political authorities. It has implications for how we respond to policies and to executive orders and to any ordinance or law within our society. Folks, I take my privilege to preach to you very important. I take it very seriously. I take it seriously because what I say has implications on how you understand God's word. I take it seriously when I'm discussing all matters, especially these controversial issues as it pertains to our submission to the church. It has real life and real time implications for us as a church and as a people. So please know, I feel the weight of this text. I feel the weight of this every time I step in the pulpit to share God's word with you. Because John, James chapter 3 verse 1, lets us know that those of us who teach will be held to a higher standard, a stricter judgment. So we will have to give an account to God for all we have preached. So as I approach the text today, as we approach this topic, I do so with a desire and a burden to unpack what is actually there, not what I wish was there, not what I hope was there, but what actually God is saying. Because my burden, our burden as it were, is for us to know God's word. And to respond to it properly. 
So this brings us to our text this morning. Romans chapter 13, verse 1 through 17. Now, in order to unpack this text, I've got three observations that I think will help us navigate this text. Are you ready for them? First, we're going to see in verse 1 and 2 that all government, governments, all governing authorities have God-ordained power. All of them have God-ordained power, influence, authority. Secondly, we will see that all governments, all governing authorities have God-ordained purpose. He has given them and assigned them a purpose. And thirdly, we will see that all governing authorities, all governments have God-ordained privilege. You see that in verse 6 through seven. Let's look at our first observation. All governments have God-ordained power. We see that in verse one and two. Every person is to be in subjection to governing authorities. Why? For there is no authority except from God, and those who exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and those who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. That is weighty. What does that mean? First, Paul starts here saying, Every person. Now, it has implications for the entire world, but Paul is writing specifically to Christians. So all Christians should submit to authority. Paul writes to Christians in the city of Rome. He writes to the capital of the Roman Empire. Fun fact, this is the same empire that murders and kills Jesus Christ. So Paul writes to a church in the city of the empire that murdered Christ. He exhorts them to be in submission to the Roman government. The same government that murdered Christ. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being asked to submit to an authority that murdered your loved one? Can you, be, can you imagine what it sounds like to, to be asked to submit to an authority that killed someone you love? Conventional thought will say to us, you should not only avoid such a government, but perhaps you should undermine that government. Perhaps you should do everything to destabilize that government. But that's not what Paul says. Paul goes against conventional thought and asks all Christians, including himself, not to avoid but to respect that government. But not just to respect but to submit to that government. From local authorities to magistrates, from, from, from local bodies to the emperor himself, Christians are called to submit to authority. He uses his word submit or subjection. Greek word, hupotasso. I want you to say that with me. Hupotasso. Say that. Hupo, tasso. It's important because you're going to see the play on words here. Hupo, under. Tasso, arranged. Arranged under. It's a military term. It means to be arranged under someone who is superior to you. So here Paul says, God has called us to be arranged under authority. But it goes a little deeper. This is also in the passive Greek voice. What does that mean? That means the action is being done to you. So what he's saying here is that God has intentionally, for his purpose, arranged you under whatever government you're currently under. I'm sure that doesn't feel great sometimes. But let's go deeper. He uses the same term in Titus chapter 3, verse 1. He says, remind them, Christians, to be subject, to be hupotasso, to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. Again, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, submit them yourselves for the Lord's sake, watch this, to every human institution. You comfortable? Every human institution. 
whether a king or the, as the one in authority or to governors who are sent by him. We are to submit to governing authorities. Governing authorities are those who are in leadership. Specifically, this is speaking of political leadership. Presidents, governors, mayors, city councils, submit to them, Paul says. Well, how could Paul say this? How could Paul, the disciple of Jesus, the servant of Jesus Christ, give a full-throated endorsement of a pagan culture, an anti-Christ government? How could you, Paul? How could you call Christians to be in subjection to a government that murdered your Lord, a government that persecutes Christians? Let's look at the second verse. Look at what Paul says. For there is no authority except from God. Those who exist are established by God. Wait a minute, Paul. Your response as to why we are to subject ourselves to government and submit to government is that there is no authority except from God. And that those that exist are established by God. What are you saying, Paul? What do you mean? Do you mean that even pagan, oppressive, anti-Christ governments are established by God and have God-ordained power? Yes and yes. Let's unpack that a little bit. You see, Paul understood something that I wish we all would understand. He understood that every single authority, every government that has, will, and shall ever exist is ordained by God. That God is sovereign over this. Paul says that you are to be in subjection to them because they are from God. What does it mean from? Remember the word hupo tasso again? This word from means hupo. Did you catch that? Hupo tasso yourself, submit yourself under authority, because all authority is hupo under God. It's going to get a little deeper. So you should submit yourself, because that which you submit yourself is under God. Paul says, not only do they hupo, do they exist under the authority of God, but he even goes further to push into the, to the sovereignty of God. It, it, passages such like uh, Psalm 62, 11 push this forward. They said, once God has spoken, twice I have heard, all authority belongs to God. Paul understood that, but he goes a little deeper. Not only is God sovereign over authority, not only is authority under God, but he says every authority that exists is established by God. Some elephants in the room right now. You mean Hitler? Yes. You mean Mussolini? Yes. You mean any dictator? Yes. All authority is under God and established by God. Hmm. We have to unpack that. Look at the second verse. He says, it is established by God. Remember, hupo tasso. You are to hupo tasso, to submit under, because all authority is hupo, under God. And then watch this, the word established, tasso. You catch that? See what Paul is doing? Paul is saying, you submit under what God has placed you under because what God has placed you under is under God. And God has arranged you under that. And all authority is arranged under God. I I wish you understood that. That God has orchestrated all things, including your current situation. And that there's no situation you are under that God isn't over. Amen. It says submit to authority. It means to be put in place, under. And you can do that because all that you submit to is under God. And because God has orchestrated everything, 
He is intimately involved in everything that's going on. This is not just the sovereignty of God on display, but this is the providence of God. Big word. What does that mean to be to have the providence of God? You know this word provide, right? It means to provide, to forward see. But it goes deeper than that. I love the way the Westminster Catechism defines it. God's providence is the most holy and wise and powerful preserving and governing of all his creatures. He governs and orders their steps and actions to and for his glory. Let that weight sit on us for a second. Romans 8, 28, one of my favorite verses. In fact, probably one of, maybe the second verse I I memorized, it, it captures God's providence very well. Here's what it says. And we know, not we guess, not we assume, not we presume, and we know that God causes not allows, not permits, God causes everything to work together for the good of those who are loved by God and who are called according to his purpose for them. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his will. Everything, the good, the bad, the ugly. Everything works together to form you into good. But guess who defines good? Not you, not me, God. God uses all experiences, uses all people, uses all governments, good or bad, for his purpose, for our good. And he defines what good is. Paul grounds government authority under the sovereign and providential authority of God. And as such, Paul now gives us a warning in verse 2. Having set the grounds of government's authority in God himself, verse 2, Romans 2, Romans 13, 2. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. He grounds government's authority in God's authority. And now he gives us a major implication. His implication is this, that those who resist God, who resist government, essentially resist God. Those who resist government's authority stand in opposition. He says here, do not resist. Hupo tasso, submit yourself. Because all government is hupo, under God. And tasso, established by God, and then do not anti-tasso, do not rearrange yourself away from government. Look at the wordplay here. You have been arranged by God to be where you are because all authority over you has been arranged by God to be under God. And so don't rearrange yourself away from where God has arranged you. Amen. Paul says don't resist. Don't resist the ordinance of God, the will of God the directions of God, the word of God. He says those who resist, they resist God's word. Those who resist government resist God's word, and they get condemnation. What is condemnation? It's a judicial verdict with a punishment to follow. It says here, in other words, if you refuse to submit to government, then you refuse to submit to God. That refusal to submit to government is tantamount to refusal to submit to God. That those who resist God-ordained authority can expect to experience punishment from the government for their resistance. I got a question for you. Do you feel the weight of that? 
Do you feel the weight of that now? Right now, with different rules and ordinances and directives, executive order, do you feel the weight of Paul saying, submit to government? No disclaimers, no caveats, no changes, submit. Paul gives no qualifications and no conditions. He says you are to submit. Now, I know as you hear that, because I said it to myself as I was reading this. Come on, preacher man. What are you saying to me here? Are you saying that God has commanded me to have blind submission to government? Are you saying that government has, has, has authority over my life, that government authorities have carte blanche and ultimate authority over my life? Are you saying that we're supposed to submit to government regardless of how we feel about it? Is this what I signed up for? Yes and no. Let me unpack. First, let me explain something. And we know this. All of God's commandments is not contingent upon your feelings. God's commandment, God's words are not suggestions. They are commands. The king of heaven speaks. We respond. Failure to respond has consequences. But God's word, not contingent upon how we feel. This is true for all of God's word. It's not dependent on our feelings. That's one. Two, can I remind you the context that we find this church in Rome? Church is sitting in Rome. Church is sitting in Rome, the most oppressive, arguably, government that Christians have ever experienced. Let me explain to you what I mean. They mercilessly persecuted Christians like no other. They fed Christians to live animals and lions and tigers. They put Christians in the middle of trees and sawn them in half. They hunted down Christians for sport and for entertainment. This government persecuted even the author of this letter, Paul himself, and ended up beheading him. So tell me if you've ever experienced that much tyranny in the government. Yet Paul writes to this people and says, submit to governing authority. Can I ask you a question? Is your submission to governing authority based on how you feel? In the house, at church, at work, in the government, is it based on your feelings? Is your submission to government based on whether you like who's in the office or not? Because the same God that was sovereign when a Democrat was in is sovereign when a Republican is. My God doesn't change political parties because he's solid. Let's address an elephant in the room. There's a lot of them, I know. Let's just dress the pink elephant in the room, the bright, bold elephant. Are you saying that we are meant to have blind obedience, blind submission to government? Let's see what Paul says. Here, Paul provides us, I believe, a balanced understanding of what submission to government is and is not. Paul, on one hand, says, all Christians are commanded to submit to all governing authorities. Amen and ouch. But then he follows it up and says, however, understand this, that all governing authorities are subject to God. Because their authority is from, upo, under God. And their authority is established, tasso, by God. Simply said. Submission to God always, unequivocally, supersedes submission to government. Amen. 
created a tension. Now you should feel some relief. We see this truth throughout all of church history. We see this truth throughout all the Bible. In fact, perhaps one of my favorite verses that deals with this is, is Acts chapter 5, verse 27 and 29. Let me paint a little bit of the context for you. Jesus is dead. Jesus resurrected. The disciples are preaching the gospel. They go and preach it in all of Jerusalem. And all the governing authorities, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish elite, the Jewish religious leaders, instructs them to go against God's will. And so they bring them before the council, before the governing authorities. And this is what happens. When they, the guards, when they brought them to the disciples, they brought them to the council. They stood before the council, and the high priest questioned them. And this is what he said. We gave you strict orders, not just regular orders, but strict orders orders not to continue teaching in the name of Jesus. And yet you have filled all of Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But watch what Peter and John and the rest of the disciples say. But Peter and the disciples and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. We must obey God rather than men. You see, our submission to and our affiliation with any governing authority or any political party must never, never supersede or negate our submission to God. Our submission and obedience to government is not to be mistaken as some slavish, passive obedience. No, no, no. Read the first century books on Christians. Read Wolf's uh, Books of Martyrs. Read how the church stood firm on the word of God over and against government. But I have to be clear that while our Christian obedience is never blind, it is an open-minded obedience that is directed by a biblically informed conscience. Did you catch that? Our biblically informed conscience obligates us to be obedient to government, but it also sets a limit on that obedience. It says this is how far you can go. But if you come from my God and my word on God, I stand firm in God's truth. And I say no. This is what we see throughout the first century. Christians stood firm on God's word. Christians, we are called to submit to government. Clear as day. Unless we are instructed by any government to go against the clear word of God. This brings us to our second observation. All governments have God-ordained purpose. Look with me, if you will, in verse 3 through 5. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise for the same. For government is a minister of God for, to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. Be very, very afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. So therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. In short, all governments have God-ordained purpose. And what is that purpose? You see it here in the text. To do justice. There's that word again. To do what is right. To make the word equitable. To ensure that people aren't cheating each other. To restrain evil and to punish it. 
governing authorities are created by God, established by God, under God, so that they can dispatch justice. And they do it in at least two ways. One, they do it by condemning and punishing evil. They punish what is bad. They punish what is evil. Secondly, they do it by commending and promoting what is good. They promote what is good. They create an atmosphere for goodness to flourish, good behavior, good works, good occupations, what is moral before God. But the text goes further. In order to dispatch their duty, it says here, it does not carry the sword for nothing. You see, to ensure that justice is served, government bears a sword. What does it mean, a sword? But it means, at least figuratively, that government has the power, the ability, and the authority to punish wrongdoing. That wrongdoing is punishable by the government. That's what the sword is there for. But Paul here doesn't use the word actually for sword. The word is actually better translated as knife. Because here's the thing. When you want to cut an apple, you don't take a whole nine-inch, nine-feet sword, do you? If you do, that's a little weird, and I really need to pray for you, preferably distanced away, you know. But you take a knife because a knife is a precision tool. It's tighter. I think this points to the fact that whatever the punishment is, government has to ensure that it fits the crime. Folks, that has implications for our prison system. That has implications for our criminal system, our judicial system. That is government creating laws that fit the crime. Paul says, get a knife. He has a knife. He carries his God-ordained authority to punish that is evil. Paul uses this word to show the intimacy of government as it pertains to creating law. The punishment can include fines and imprisonment. It can even include capital punishment and going to war to defend that which is good and that which is moral. And the greatest good and morale, moral in the universe is the preservation and salvation of human life in and out of the womb. God has given government the authority to stand for life. In every atmosphere. There are nuances to that. Unpack that later, but this is principle. In text, in this text, we see at least two reasons why we shouldn't resist the government. First one is, it does not carry the sword for nothing. So you resist government, which makes sense, in order to avoid wrath, in order to avoid punishment, because governing authorities are God's avenger. Marvel has nothing on God. They are God's avengers. They stand for what is true. Someone who defends, who cannot or will not defend themselves, government steps in to defend. That's their job. Secondly, we are to resist, and this is perhaps the most important one, for the sake of our conscience. Look in verse 5. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection to government, not only because of wrath, but also because of conscience. What's the conscience? It is that which is within all of us that distinguishes between right and wrong. Remember, we spoke earlier about a biblically informed conscience. The more of God's word you know, the more yeses and noes you have, the more deviations you have, the more categories you have to say that's not God's will. The conscience is what convicts or comforts us, depending on our actions. We are commanded to obey government, not just to avoid punishment but because we must stand before God and give an account of how we use our authority as parents, as wives, as husbands, as pastors, as preachers, as mayors, as governors, as presidents. We will stand before God, but specifically as government, you will give an account. And as Christians who respond, 
or don't respond unbiblically, you will give an account for how you respond to government. We are commanded to obey government so we can keep our conscience clear before God. As stated earlier, our biblically informed conscience obligates us to be obedient. But that biblically informed conscience also sets a limit on what our obedience is. This brings us to our third and final observation. All government has God-ordained privileges. Look at verse 6 through 7. For because of this, because of what? Because of the God-ordained authority and because of the punishment and because you're conscious before God, because of all these things, you also pay taxes. I bet you didn't know the Bible talked about taxes. It says you do this. You pay your taxes for rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very same thing. It's interesting. The word servant in this particular verse is different from the servants before. The word servants before is the Greek word for deacons. The word here has to do with a temple priest. In other words, as priests, as preachers, as pastors who get paid by the church to do the ministry of God, so does government get paid by its citizens to do the ministry of God in serving justice says that they are servants of God. So therefore, render to them all that is due. Tax to whom tax is due. Custom to whom custom is due. Fear to whom fear is due. Honor to whom honor is due. The word render here is the Greek word that has to do with paying back. In other words, there is an unsaid, unspoken agreement between government and its people. Government gives justice. Government provides justice and equity. And the people give taxes. But it gives us three things that we give. Part of our submission to government is that we pay government, we give government, we render to government revenue, reverence, and respect. We give them taxes. We honor and respect them. Doesn't mean we don't have disagreements. We'll unpack that a little bit later. Doesn't mean we don't have disconnects. It does mean that our responsibility before God is to provide revenue, reverence, and respect. It's to pay back, as it were. Christians are responsible not just to obey government and everything else except for taxes, but everything, unless it causes us or calls us to disobey God. Amen? Solid. Again, this act of submission, it's also not based on our feelings. It's not based on our feelings. It's not based on how we feel. Whether government does this part or not, the Christian is still called to pay revenue, Reverence and respect. Then you may ask, but then what is my recourse? What, what, what dog do I have in this fight? What do I do if I serve a government that doesn't care for me? Well, for one, since God has ordained government and government has legal systems, then we work within the legal systems to change. We work within the legal systems to bring forth change, whether it's the local elections or appointments, whether it's government, federal elections, whether it's policies, whether it's neighborhood councils. We work within the system to bring forth change. But what's even more important, what we have forgotten as the church is the lost art of bringing government before God. If it's true, that all authority is under God, then your best recourse is to go to God. If you go to a restaurant and the waiters treat you badly, you don't spend time arguing with the waiter. You ask for who? The manager. The manager of the universe is God. And 
we forget to bring government. When's the last time we've prayed for government? Let me ask you a question. Do you pray for government? Do you pray for government authorities? Wherever, church, home, local, state, federal, legislative, judicial. Do you pray? Do you bring them before God? Do you pray for divine wisdom for them? Do you pray for godly policies and laws? And even more so, do you pray that they will encounter Jesus and have new life? Do you pray for their salvation? We are reminded all through Scripture that God can and does change the hearts of leaders. Proverbs 21.1, it says here, the heart of the king is like a stream directed by the Lord. He guides it wherever he wants. God is sovereign even over the hardest dictator's heart. Have you prayed for that person? And we are called to pray for governing authorities consistently. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 3 says it this way. I urge you. This is an urgent First of all, to pray for all people, ask God to help them to intercede on their behalf and to give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and for all who are in authority that we would have a peaceful existence and a quiet life among them. A life that is marked by godliness and dignity because this is good and pleasing to God. Many Christians say they want to know God's will. Here is a plain, clear will of God. Pray for everyone in authority. Pray that they would know God. Pray that God would work on their hearts. Pray that God would help them. Pray that God would save them. And pray that the mission of the church will go forth unencumbered. If there's ever been a clear place to pray, it's here. We are urged to pray for all governing authorities. Yet we neglect to do so. Why is that? That's a personal question that you may have to answer. Perhaps you don't trust God's word. To be honest, I don't have any other reason other than that. Because if God has said pray, you either don't trust his word, and that has other areas, right? That means that you don't trust the sovereignty of God, the omnipotence of God, the power of God, the truthfulness of God, the integrity of God. Use any adjective you want. You don't trust God. Here's our summary for this text. All governments, all governing authorities, all leaders have God-ordained power, purpose, and privilege. Therefore, we are commanded to submit to all governing authorities except when instructed to go against the clear word of God. Because all authority is under the sovereign and providential authority of God Almighty. Friends, this is what we signed up for. In essence, we signed up to submit to God. Because every single authority that has is and will ever exist. Hupo, under God, tasso, established by God. And so therefore, our true submission is to God and all that God has called us to. And that will inform how 
and when we serve and submit to government. Here are some action steps. First, I want to encourage you strongly to commit to praying for governing authorities. Commit to praying for them regularly. Church authorities, governmental authorities, local, state, federal. Pray for all the three branches of government, legislative, executive, and judicial. Pray for them. Pray for them by name. That God will save them. That God will open their eyes to see goodness. That they will love God and love people. That they would put God's will above their own personal will. That they will serve justice for all people, regardless of race, religion, and creed. That they will bring justice to bring. That they will truly stand in the gap between good and evil. Pray personally. Pray in your small group. Spend time around to pray for God's word that God's word will be done in their life. I also want to remind you that January, we're going to have another 21 day of prayer. Great time for us as a church to pray again for our nation. Secondly, I want to encourage you to get involved. I want to encourage you to get to know your local leaders. Get to know the community. Get to know where you live, the council leaders. Get to know the needs of the community. Get to know the needs of the people themselves who are serving in office. Because oftentimes, people who lead are often the ones asking people what they need. And no one ever asks them what they need. And then they burn out, and then there's a disgrace, and then they fall from grace, and we wonder why. Super thankful for my brother Bruce, who brought me lunch, just randomly. Super thankful for many of you who reach out to us pastors and say, how are you guys doing in this season? Means something. Give honor to whom honor is due, reverence to whom reverence is due, revenue to whom revenue is due, because we submit to God, not to people. Thirdly, I want to encourage you to read your Bible. Now, I shouldn't have to explain why, but I will. If you are meant to submit to government, except when government goes against God's word, then it begs the question, do you know God's word? Because if that's your only out, if that is the only exemption that God gives, then it is our duty to know what God's word says so we can stand firm on God's truth. Amen? Let's stand and pray. Maybe you are here and you don't know Christ. You're online or you're listening and you don't know Christ. And for you, the notion of submitting, even as a Christian, to anyone is offensive. And that is probably because all you have experienced is ungodly, selfish, abusive, oppressive authority. I come from a continent that has given room to that. There are many reasons why. Colonialism is one of those reasons. But I come from a continent that has experienced dictatorship ungodly abuse. But trust me when I tell you, I understand the weight of this text. But I am encouraging you, whoever you are, to submit to the one authority who cares more about you than you could ever care about yourself. Loves you so much that he put love into action and hung on a cross for you and for me. Not a guilt trip, just reality. You may resist that 
you may rearrange yourself under other gods like yourself. The fact still remains. Government, people, all of us will finally have to stand before God and give an account for how we have loved him and submitted to him and how our conscience is either clear or solid by sin. This hour is yours. This time is yours. Speak to God. Talk to him personally. You may pray like this. Lord, all I know is abusive men and women in my life. All I know is abusive leaders in my life. All I know is people who have abused me and taken from me. Yet this man stands with the audacity to tell me to submit to a God I don't know or haven't seen. Or maybe you're a Christian and you've gone through hard times and you feel like God wasn't there for you. Submission is not only when it feels good. True submission is regardless of what circumstances. I will submit to God. Not to a man, not to a woman, not to anybody in office, but to God. Therefore, our conscience will be clear. Father, we thank you so much for this moment. Personally, Lord, this hits home in so many ways on how we respond to our future and current governments. May we be a people who don't waver based on political parties based on government personalities and based on circumstances. May we be a people who stand firm and truthful on your word. And may our conscience be cleansed and informed by your word so that with Paul and the rest of the apostles, we may say emphatically and humbly, we must obey God rather 